Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Ed Hallback Show, where for the second week in the row, we're talking about World War II battleships, uh, and, and most prevalent is the Pennsylvania that my dad served on. I once again have Dan uh, Vickstrom with me from down in Texas, but I think he's originally from Wisconsin because he doesn't have a Texas accent. Right, Dan? Welcome. Yeah, right. A little bit... Uh... West of there, Minnesota is where I, I was born and raised and lived most of my life. Re- retired now up in northwest Wisconsin, but go back and forth between there and uh, Texas. Uh, and I'm a winter Texan here now. Sure. At this life. You wear a 10 gallon hat? No, I don't do anything of that, but there are, the, you see a few of them down here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Most of the people down in my community are from the Midwest, but, uh, you know, a bunch of them have accents because they're from southern Missouri or southern Illinois and, and places like that. Even southern Iowa, you start getting seeing some accents or hearing some. So, Well, speaking of it's, accents, it's good- I, re- I remember my dad telling me uh, when, he, when he went to the Navy to do his duty in World War II, he would talk about the uh, accents that these guys had because growing up in North Iowa, there wasn't much accent, much less when you got uh, some of the guys from down south on your ship. He he commented that was his first experience of, uh, for lack of better words, people talking funny, right? Yep, yep. So it's all good. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. So anyway, we uh, we were talking last time about the South Pacific, Shelling Islands. Uh, we kind of focused on the USS Pennsylvania. I guess it was nicknamed the Pensy. And uh, I, I don't remember if I said it or not, but I just got a pretty cool picture of uh, the Pensy leading other warships crashing through the ocean waves. My my brother found it on eBay, and of course, they obviously made me a copy and sent me one too. I had it framed and matted, and it's in my office. But uh, they they had all kinds of people on the ships. Uh, you know, there there were downtimes they had where they would go swimming, and I said to Dad, "You said you couldn't swim hardly." Oh, he says salt water made it a lot easier, and they would. They would jump off the side of the ship, and I never did know how with the distance from the water level to the top of the deck where they were jumping. Do you know, Dan? Uh, No, I don't. I mean, if you look at that photograph that you're talking about, I I know the photograph you're talking about, and uh, it, uh, it, uh, it is riding pretty low in the water. Um, So... Uh, not certainly not as uh, high as a jumping off the, the deck of an aircraft carrier would be right uh, right uh, yeah and, and then you know if they did if they were anchored in an in, in an anchorage uh, coral atoll um, and they they had the uh, opportunity they would allow them to go up on beaches and uh, 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 and uh you know, there, I've, I've seen photographs of sailors uh, on the beach and swimming off the beach with the ship in the background. And, uh, oh, sure. Well, yeah. one other thing he told me about 
about jumping in and swimming and the salt water was more buoyant than uh, fresh water was they had guys on boats around where they were swimming with machine guns. I said, to ward off the enemy? And he goes, yeah, the enemies were sharks. So yeah. they had to sure. take some sharks if they came into our playground. Yeah. But yeah, they did. They did uh, participate in the shelling of uh, uh, Saipan, the Saipan invasion in the Marianas Islands in June of 44. And uh, also uh, July of 44, the Guam operation. Um, the Guam was not all that far off from Saipan, uh, 150 miles or something like that. And okay. then uh, so they 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 had numerous days of bombardment there in mid in uh, June and July, um, and these were uh, this one day of shelling on uh, uh, support the Saipan invasion. It was long range um, shelling, so it had limited effectiveness. Uh, and uh, there was a torpedo attack in that engagement, which um, um, hit the uh, USS Maryland, which was one of the um, Pensy's sister ships. And uh, um, so the Maryland took some damage on that uh, attack. In Guam, they bombarded for numerous days in mid-July, and but now they were in close range um, and they were able to uh, uh, um, actually target um, by sight the, the uh, defensive emplacements of the Japanese. And then, so it was much more effective. Um, Instead and, of lobbying in a general area, they were able to target better. Yes, yes, and 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 uh, you know the main batteries, the fourteen-inch guns, and then they were in clo close enough where the five-inch guns and even the forty-millimeter and twenty-millimeter uh, anti-aircraft um, dual-purpose guns could uh, could. Um, have effect also. Um, and in September of 44, the Peleliu landing, Peleliu, uh, was, the, the Marines ended up naming it Bloody Beach. It was a very bloody affair. Um, uh, Admiral Halsey had, had argued and lobbied and requested that, that the Peleliu uh, invasion be, or the island, be skipped because um, it was heavily defended. That his his uh, his reconnaissance um, of the island um, had revealed that there was not much threat from any uh, Japanese air support uh -huh. that could threaten the uh, planned landings uh, invasion of the Philippines, which took place a month later, but. Uh, he was he was overruled by Admiral Nimitz, which was probably Nimitz's biggest mistake of the war because uh, um, the Peleliu campaign was a complete mess. A lot of mistakes made in planning, bad intelligence. The Japanese were dug in. Um, they they had learned not to uh, uh, just try to throw them 
throw the uh, Americans back into the ocean at the beach, but to um, basically not be on the island, but in the island. Uh Um, um, Dug in caves, systems of caves, um, interconnecting caves and uh, dug in emplacements, um, which uh, made them a lot more protected from um, um, bombardment from the Navy and from artillery and from uh, um, um, aircraft bombardment. So the Jap turned on Elulu was a bloody, bloody affair. It's, it's, if, if you've seen the, uh, um, the, um, um, it's called Pacific, the miniseries, um, that was on HBO about 10 years ago. It's now being played on, um, Netflix and it's, it's very good. And, uh, one of the episodes or a couple of the episodes, at least one anyway, um, dwells on Hallelu and how bloody it was um, and how many uh, Marines were killed and wounded there. Yeah. So Iwo Jima uh, got a lot of press also because that was they were very well dug in there. And, uh, you know, that that was a bloody mess. But I think Iwo Jima gets most of the. Uh, historical attention because of the raising of the flag and uh, and that was pretty cool but i watched a documentary recently about saipan which i know the pensy was involved in shelling of that and i think i i read it in my dad's journal that it was four or five days of shelling and four or five days of dive bombers trying to take them out and they had you know their guns continually going he he said in his diary he said it was very hard to get some sleep and very nerve wracking. Right, right. Yeah, they were at bombardment at certain points um, in, in October when um, it was around this time where the Japanese started using kamikaze attacks. Okay. Um, and uh, the um, so. And that was really terrifying for uh, the people on the ships because the you know they were basically uh, human bombs flying these aircraft and and uh, late in the war the Japanese basically developed um, kind of uh, manned cruise missiles in a sense to or um, to fly these. Um, things on suicide tags um, and attack the ships. Um, the, the, the major surface battle and last surface battle and largest naval battle of World War II was in October, and the Pensy participated in that, the Battle of Lady Gulf. Um, and there are over 200,000 per- naval personnel involved in that battle. Wow. Uh, it was off the Philippine Islands and the islands, specifically at uh, the islands of Lady, Samar, and Luzon. And uh, um, Pennsylvania was involved in that battle where Admiral Oldendorf basically crossed the T, which is which is your line of ships crossing a T of a of a single file of Japanese ships coming towards you so you could concentrate your fire 
on the ships. It's the dream of every naval commander to be able to, to achieve that. And uh, they did. And it was a, a group of old battleships. Uh, and uh, um, they put, put a licking to the, to the Japanese. I, I, and I know the crew of the Pensy rude that, that battle because they were never ordered to fire. All the ordnance they fired in this war. And uh, the biggest and last battleship engagement between enemy battleships and surface, uh, I guess, surface engagement uh, um, then and since then, um, they kind of rude the fact that they were never ordered to fire. And I can't remember the exact reason of that. If, if they were serving as the flagship and communications ship, um, and if your guns are going off heavily, um, that can mess with your communications. So it's possible sure. that the communications issue, they wanted to make sure that they could communicate orders to, uh, to the fleet there. Oh, but, wow. Uh, I didn't know that. That's uh, very, very interesting. And uh, your dad, um, they, <laughs> I, I was reading your dad's, um, like I said, we said in the last episode, they were they were um, embarked for eighteen months, seventeen seventeen months, I believe right. it was, or eight. And uh, he made one comment: um, "We're getting into nineteen forty, early forty five, though." That when they finally made it to Dry Dock. Um, um, and this was after they'd been torpedoed. Um, it, it was his his comment was the old girl finally got the old girl into to dry dike and boy what a sight! But you could just tell the affection that he had for the ship and how it had kept them alive. Uh, their crew, most of them, uh, the torpedo attack did kill um, twenty sailors and. Uh, um, this, interestingly, and we kind of jumped ahead um, to the end, uh, they had gotten back to the, the States, done, done some refitting of guns. And in fact, they'd actually replaced their main batteries with guns from the uh, USS Oklahoma, which had been sunk at Pearl Harbor. Um, their main battery guns were worn out. So they, they had salvaged the guns from Oklahoma and um, they they ended up on the Pennsylvania, um, but um, by the time um, um, they, this is this is what happened that torpedo attack. The the both atomic bombs had already been dropped, and, uh, um, and they they were in the Philippines then, right in dry dock. They were they were off uh, ok Okinawa. Oh, okay. And uh, a uh, a um, torpedo bomber came around, and uh, um, it, in the evening at night, and it undetected, and uh, dropped a torpedo, and it hit right in the stern, and uh, and uh, killed. It, it hit in the area where it was it was a. Uh, you know, birthing 
birthing area of the ship and those right. sailors killed instantly. But um, the U people have the impression that, you know, the U.S. dropped the atomic bombs and Japan surrendered. Well, um, no, they did not surrender right away. And the Pensy actually got hit three days after the Nagasaki attack on August 9th. So that was August 12th, where Pensy was hit. Um, she had been back to support the Okinawa invasion. And uh, and uh, so she was, um, and then three days later, the, the Japanese accept, accepted the terms of surrender, that the, the emperor basically went on the radio and, and accepted the terms of surrender. Um, on the 15th of August, on the 10th of August, it had been reported that they had Japanese had offered to um, to surrender uh, accept the terms of surrender. So it set off a lot of celebrations all around in Europe. Uh, the soldiers thought, "Oh, we won't be transferred to the Pacific now," and 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 on the ships in the Pacific too. Um, and that was on the tenth. But two days later, they got torpedoed, and, and you know, soldiers on the Pensy were celebrating that had celebrated that hearing about that offer too but two days later they get vetoed three days later the emperor accepts the terms and there wasn't a lot of celebrating on the pennsylvania then because they just lost 20 20 men um, um three days prior so it was a much more subdued reaction when the actual surrender happened um, it's unfortunate because then the Pennsylvania wasn't wasn't able to be in Tokyo Bay with all the other ships, um, and uh, I don't know if uh, it would have been appropriate for that surrender to happen on one of the battleships that was present at Pearl Harbor, um, and of course the Pennsylvania would would have been a candidate for that ship, um, but um, Harry Truman. I think had a lot to do with the fact of it being on the USS Missouri because he what was state from was Missouri. Harry? Right. So yeah. um, that's kind of how that came, came about and came down. Dad, dad had, uh, he had told that how that was and that they didn't get to uh, get the opportunity to have the surrender on their deck because of torpedoes, uh, that that hit them and they were down but uh he he was a little disgusted by that because uh it, it would have been it would have been hats off to the pennsylvania but there's always politics in everything um right. i've got just a few more uh personal things that dad said uh here before we we call it quits because we don't want people to go too long um I had mentioned, you know, swimming with the sharks, which now people swim with the dolphins. And uh, he would have to, uh, basically, he, a ship fitter as a mechanic, he would have to open safes. He said all these officers had a little safe in their room by their de little writing desk, and they would leave with the safe locked. And oh. he, would, he would have to unlock them. And I says, well, how'd you do that? He says, well, we drilled three holes. Right in the face of the safe, I said, "Why did you drill three? He says, "Well, they were screwed to the to the the ship itself on the backside, so you had to get your screwdriver in and and unscrew that 
and you had a look in another hole. I said, wasn't it dark in there? Well, yeah, that's why the third hole was there. You shown the flashlight in that. <laughs> okay, that, that made sense. And another story he told me about when they did their laundry, a lot of times they, they put their clothes in a sea bag and a bar of soap or what whatever kind of soap they had, and they threw it to the back of the ship for about an hour or so, and that, that's how they got their clothes cleaned. I don't know if that was traditional. I didn't know if they had washers and dryers. I'm going to guess no dryers. I don't know how laundry works in the military, especially during war like that. Uh, another thing I thought was really clever, my dad was kind of a no-nonsense guy, although he did have a good sense of humor. But everybody had to toe the line, including us kids growing up. And uh, he would talk about the lazy sailors. I said, what's a lazy sailor? Well, he said, uh, what I was was a ship fitter, and we'd have the, the stinger around our neck to weld wherever we had to, and you didn't have to ground the ship. And he says, some of those guys would wait till their shift is over, and they'd sit in a corner huddled up, their knees up to their chin and their, and their you know, feet flat. And he said most of the sailors wore cleats or, uh, you know, metal metal shoe. Uh, I don't know what you call them, but they, he called them cleats. I knew them as cleats. And he said we'd walk by them and plug our stinger in and just tap, tap on each of their cleats. And when they'd wake up when the whistle went, they couldn't get up. He said <laughs> we would just laugh because they were just trying to get out of work and he, he through his whole life, didn't uh, have much time for people trying to get out of work. But anyway, yeah. Dan, um, we're going to have to call it quits here. It's been a pleasure having you on the show last time. And again, this time, I learned more uh, more things about it. I have to comb through his, his diary or journal a little more. I know you, uh, you look through it well, and you picked up some tidbits. So... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Two episodes, probably about, well, I don't know, 45 minutes long total. And you could learn about the USS Pennsylvania, where my dad served proudly in World War II. And uh, I learned from Mr. Dan Vickstrom. And uh, uh, it's like, no wonder they were called the greatest generation. Dan, you got any closing words? Uh well, I just want to say that you, your dad's um, war, war log was very interesting. And and at the end, it was like, I mean, his 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 entries were just like, there seemed a lot of tiredness in it. You know, matter of fact, you know, his 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 entry for, for the torpedoing was just pulled in and anchored at Okinawa. Okinawa got torpedoed this evening almost two weeks of day and night work. And then two weeks later, he, he writes left Okinawa being towed by two tugs. Um, and uh, so it was, it was kind of matter of fact, it's like they'd seen death. They'd seen a lot of battle. Um, and uh, it seemed to have an effect on him just by just reading, reading the thing and, and, uh, but he he was one who served, and you should be very proud of him. Uh, I am, and so is the rest of my family. Um, yeah, w w one thing about um, serving like that it's uh, 
it's something you should be proud of for the rest of your life. And and I know he was. Well, Dan, we're going to have to call it quits here. Thanks again for uh, coming on the show. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Like you uh, texted me after the last show or maybe in between shows, those guys were a bunch of badass sailors. And I, I thought, yep, they, they certainly were. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Ed Hallback Show. We will be back the following week with a show entitled Spring and how us Midwesterners cope with snow runoffs, trash, and, of course, Johnny G will be having a beer and joining me, so it should be a hoot. So, uh, once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, bye-bye.